They're all different, if I'm totally honest. Uh, the one thing from when I first started, uh, and this came a little bit from Colin, was that there's no different. The rider wants to be the best, you want to be the best at what you do. But when you go to each team and you work with different crew chiefs, you there is always something that they do better or you can pick up on. And you can be quite stubborn and go, well, no, my way's the best way. And this is, But there's always something. And if you... We're talking 20 years, so what I'd like to think, I've worked with six, seven other crew chiefs, you know, from the likes of Stuart Johnson, Les Pearson, Silvano Galbocera, uh, Manu, that, you know, there's always something that you can pick up. And if you can add that to your ammunition, you become better. So you're constantly working on it, if I'm honest. Welcome to the MotoGP podcast, Liced on the Brakes. Liced <laughs> on the Brakes? Last on the Brakes, goodness me. Uh, the place that you come for in-depth chats with the whole MotoGP community, whether they're riders, team managers, or even, as we have on today's show, crew chiefs. We have Frankie Carcetti, uh, the world champion, reigning world champion crew chief, you could say, as he's cute crew chief to Joanne Mir. <laughs> That's why we've got the Suzuki board behind us. And I thought today, well, by the way, also my name's Matt Dunn, Fran Wild alongside me. I thought today, Fran... It's getting super smooth, isn't it? This, uh, <laughs> this, today's chat was really one that I did not expect, to be honest, from uh, from young Frankie. We couldn't get too technical. It was more about the general relationship yeah, between riders you, and Yeah, if you're looking, like, if there are any, you know, rival teams on the MotoGP grid looking for those factory secrets, obviously there will be none of those. Uh, but no, it's a good chat, I think, with just generally that relationship in the box that can be so, so important. And uh, that's kind of proven as well today, aside from us recording the podcast, we've got a crew chief change at Monster Yamaha for uh, Maverick Vinales. Yeah, quite timely, I think. Today, so. Which is very interesting in the, the timing of that, because uh, with that particular rider, obviously a couple of crew chiefs this year, but when you hear about the intense relationship there is between them, I just think, yeah, it, it makes it all the more it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting topic, for sure. And uh, what else have we got to ask? Well, have we got question of the week? Yes, do we, do we that have got now? question yes, of the week, uh, which <laughs> we can ask for you guys. Because we do understand this is the first crew chief that we've had on the show uh, in the show's history. I you think, make it sound yes. like we started this in 2000. Um, but yeah, I think it may be the first. Yeah, so, uh, so basically we did put the question to him, what advice have you got for up and coming mechanics and engi engineers with the dream of being a crew chief in MotoGP or being a world champion crew chief as well? So listen out for that right at the end of the show because uh, I really think there'll be a, a bit of advice for you there. And so the question of the week is, are you an up and coming engineer mechanic with a dream of being a crew chief. Let us know, let us know where you're at as you will hear from uh, where Frankie studied at university and the story of how he first became a crew chief. Tell us your story, where you at, what you're hoping to achieve, we'd love to know. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's uh, everything from our uh, intro. And, well, uh, check out the uh, the visa that we've got here on YouTube because uh, there, there are a couple of surprise special guests in the back shot of the... Uh, also being, true, uh, also true. ...major interruption as well from someone very close to uh, Frankie Carcetti as well. <laughs> major so. interruption from someone very close to him. Long lap penalty coming in this weekend. <laughs> so, well, yeah. yeah, so enjoy. So, as you will have seen from the title description and picture, <laughs> this week's guest is Juan Mir's crew chief, Frankie Carcetti from Team Suzuki X-Star. Thank you for joining us. 
hope you're not too hot no, in the sun No, thank here. you very much for having me. We did, we did beforehand say, no, no, it'd be fine, it's beautiful, and now we're all boiling a little bit yeah. after the uh, pre-show stuff. Glad you can't see my back as the uh, wet <laughs> patch gets bigger and bigger. So that'll be nice from that angle shot. Gross. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously you've kind of, your profile's got bigger and bigger with winning the World Championship last year, but also crew chiefs, quite an important important and interesting topic for a lot of fans who maybe don't know the ins and outs of what happens in the garage. But we'll start with you. How did you get here? What's like, Matt used a great phrase in this phrasing of the question. What's comic book number one, Frankie <laughs> Cacchetti? <laughs> I can't really say start from the bottom up because- uh, We want from the day I you were born. Well, <laughs> from the day I was born, wow. Uh, okay, so normal life, sport, uh, very sporty, especially with football. Um, <laughs> always had a passion for motorsport and went to Loughborough University. And God, you really were into sport then, weren't you? I was going like to say, yeah. for anyone international, Loughborough is like the sports place. Yeah, in, un in English unis. And it's pronounced Loughborough, not Lau Bao Rao. <laughs> Luga Baruga. <laughs> yeah, famous for that and uh, the purple nasty. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I always had an intention at that point to go into motorsport, truthfully, the Formula One side. Uh, mm. And I was already looking in, dis in deep discussions with some teams uh, for joining them for the 2000, 2000 year, God, that long ago. Wow. And I was very fortunate. I met uh, Colin Wright, who is the who was the GCSE GCSE, GSE, uh, team mm. principal. Um, I met his wife in a bank and opened an account, discussions went, and she goes, oh, my husband works for Ducati, uh, it'd be good to meet. And I think it was the day after we went to Donington for a BSB test. Um, at the time, Troy Bayliss was just finishing, there was Neil Hodgson, Niall McKenzie. So that was 90... It was the start of 2000. Start of 2000, so right. Troy had just finished. I've got um, you right, yeah, yeah. That, uh, Niall McKenzie joined the team. And yeah, I was in love straight away and it was like, okay, let's do a year and then I'll maybe think about going to Formula One. <laughs> so... 21 years later. Yeah, I never went and... <laughs> Because how it goes is you, you love it. And then of course they straight away went to World Superbikes. And it was like, oh, okay, well, that'd be great. One year in the World Championship. And, you know, they were- Especially back runners. in those days, the heyday of, you know, World Superbikes and that. Yeah, it was a, an amazing period. You know, um, on a bad day, you could be outside the top 15. You know, I remember in that first year, Neil had loads of podiums, pole positions. Um, yeah, at the time, life felt quite easy because obviously I joined a very good team with good riders. So, <laughs> you know, I'd won BSB in my first year and then... I was going to say, what exactly were you doing then? At, at the time, I was a in? data engineer on the electronics. Okay, cool. um, you sort of learn a lot during the university days, but quite honestly, it's a very different, yeah. very different, uh, different thing. and. Every year you gain experience, even from last year to this, there's always something, uh, working with different people, different teams. There's always something that comes up and you always try and better yourself. So, yeah, without going too far, basically, uh, for personal reasons, I was always backwards and forwards, Will Superbike, BSB. 
Um, was fortunate that you know we won some championships along those years, and then um, there was an opportunity when Nicky was riding the Open Honda in MotoGP. They needed someone to work on the Open Electronics because it was the the first years. Um, I had a lot of experience from the World Superbike days, uh, especially I was in the factory Yamaha team. Uh, just when Ben left, Marco Melandri, Eugene Laverty. And so I switched jobs because I was always a crew chief until that point and worked for a couple of years on the electronic side, which puts you in good stead because when I got the opportunity to be crew chief again, um, you get the best of both worlds. And then, yeah, the, the, the final part of the jigsaw was there was an opportunity in Suzuki. Um, I had a lot of experience working with younger riders uh, and when I found out that uh, Sahara had chosen Joanne, it was an absolute no-brainer. So. <laughs> I want to work with that young boy. <laughs> That's pretty much how it went because yeah. we'd already, I'd worked with Sahara and Ken in previous years. Um, and so we had already discussed at some point, especially with Ken, about coming to Suzuki and it was like, okay, let's see when the time is right yeah. and then when they said okay we've got this young boy coming and i was like okay yep <laughs> i'm ready for, <laughs> for listeners that's ken kawuchi right yeah ken kawuchi the head of kind of the suzuki we love it side note on that when you all chant for him yeah yeah we've seen some great celebrations from you guys and like throwing him in the air <laughs> absolutely love the vibe there's a few last year <laughs> Yeah, we're really close knit, and also because probably we're one of the smallest teams, um, you get to know them really well. Um, so you, you naturally are closer. That is brilliant. I tell you what, like I remember you telling me, I think you told me that story before about meeting Colin Wright's wife in the bank, and like I mean that's such a great story. It doesn't seem like a sort of a standard. Well, it almost does in a way because you always hear stories of people in the paddock getting in. It's it's not it's what you know, it's stuff, who you know. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, but that was a case of clearly a case of both. But what, what did you ever think at that point that this would, could be where also it ends when up? you are in a queue in a bank? <laughs> yeah. How does that conversation yeah, no, no begin offense, and start the conversation? Because that's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, I remember my dad the the day he got back from work that day, and how he explained that I'd met someone in a bank and then we. Were, and he was like, is this boy serious? <laughs> Maybe still over from university or something. So, yeah, it was, I mean, Colin for me was, I would say the father figure uh, from the bike racing sport. Um, yes, people say he was quite hard at times, but I always travel with him, travel back. I got to be in the office with meetings with the riders. So, wow, it gave me, such uh, upbringing uh, mm. and knowledge of the sport it was you know very fortunate yeah he certainly had his uh, there's lots of talk about colin and his managerial ways back in the day and but the results speak for themselves i guess it all comes down to that doesn't it really yeah absolutely i think sometimes i'm a little bit too bossy or yeah. a little bit <laughs> like that and i think that's probably the upbringing <laughs> the imprint of that still <laughs> yeah he was never scared of you know, I remember having a meeting with Colin and Max Biaggi. I mean, it was... Uh, really? Yeah. So nice. uh, when Max joined uh, the World Superbikes mm. and... Uh, it was Colin's team, put it this way. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, quite I just a tried to, to go bring up that against that as well. <laughs> Sorry, It's quite again. a person to go up against, like Max, to sort of say that to someone like a big personality like that. <laughs> Max has a big personality. I'd say Colin has a super personality. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brilliant. Okay, so one of the things we wanted to talk to you about, not only obviously with Joanne and your success recently, also to give people a better kind of overview of what a crew chief actually does. Because we always like hear from a crew chief or like it comes up on the graphics, this is who this person is. But what are you actually really in control of in the garage? What's your kind of role within the whole structure? So we're quite fortunate in Suzuki that they give you full responsibility um, with every aspect, whether it's the planning of the weekends, the parts you use, the setup. Um, they're there in all the meetings, they want to know what's going on. Um, we try and do as much for them as well on the development side, uh, suggestions. So we do have what I would say is quite a high level of control, which can be quite dangerous. Um, <laughs> but they're so knowledgeable as well. You know, they participate, they can help you with the direction. They have a lot of experience from testing in Japan. So we work really well together. Uh, and as a crew chief, it's I'm sure that each one has slightly different roles, different things they do. I mean, we have a big say on the electronics, uh, the chassis. I was fortunate I've worked on both, so I have a, quite a high knowledge. And like you say, there's also the psychological, you know, sometimes I think, wow, but I've done a degree in psychology, actually, <laughs> yeah. I'd have been in good stead. So I would say every race, every session, every evening, it's a different aspect. You might go somewhere and it's, you're working constantly on the chassis because you're struggling. There may be an evening and you turn to this psychology guy and you know maybe they're struggling and you figure it out and work on them and vice versa. <laughs> You're getting you know? laughed at by Jake Dixon in the background. Oh, <laughs> oh no, I oh, knew no, this really would happen go. with someone. What are you talking about? We're talking about his incredible life and career. Well, yeah, he's definitely got that. We're hearing what Jake Dixon's really like behind the scenes. <laughs> and it's not good. A good guy. <laughs> I'm not sure we have long enough to discuss that. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, so that, that's the thing about crew because you, you hear stories, mechanics, team managers, riders, whatever, and it does seem a lot of crew chiefs have a, have a different approach. Some are more, I would describe, you know, loosely and, and with caution, sort of they're more coordinator-like roles. Some are very technical orientated and others a bit more psychological orientated. You seem to be a bit of all three. And uh, what's your experience with other crew chiefs? Are there ones like that? Do you have a club where you talk about it and share <laughs> <What's> stories? <laughs> they're all different, if I'm totally honest. Uh, the one thing from when I first started, uh, and this came a little bit from Colin, was that there's no different. The rider wants to be the best, you want to be the best at what you do. But when you go to each team and you work with different crew chiefs, you there is always something that they do better or you can pick up on. And you can be quite stubborn and go, well, no, my way's the best way. And this, is, But there's always something. And if you, we're talking 20 years, so what I'd like to think, I've worked with six, seven other crew chiefs, you know, from the likes of Stuart Johnson, Les Pearson, Silvano Galbocera, uh, Manu, that, you know, there's always something that you can pick up. And if you can add that to your ammunition, you become better. So you're constantly working on it, if I'm honest. I guess it depends on the specific rider as well. If the rider's like, you know, if you're trying to calm them down after a tough day, but what they need, can think of a couple of people is like to shut the door and just be left alone for a half hour then that approach i guess is not really going to bring the best out of them 
No, and it, like you said, they've all got different personalities, and you know, I talk about Joanne because it's the present. You know, there's times where you need you're a little bit of a father figure, and he wants an arm around his shoulder, and it's mm. not quite going. And then there's the opposite when it's like, okay, this is the truth. You know. We made a mistake or In the nicest happened. possible and, way, yeah. And we said right from the start, and that's how our relationship works, we are really, really honest and open. So if it's me, if it's him, if it's the bike, um, we try to be honest. At the same time, that's where the psychology comes in, because it might not be, and you have to work <laughs> in a slightly different way. Yeah. It's one of those things, you open, close, and all of a sudden, everything miraculously <laughs> works. Uh, I don't say we do that, but it's always figuring out what to do in the situation. Yeah, that, that sort of father figure uh, role in it, I noticed that, I mean, because of obviously COVID restrictions, you've spent a bit more time with them, I think, this year, in the last six months than perhaps you would have anticipated previously. Do you I thought think... you were going to say that perhaps you would have liked. Like, <laughs> yeah, well. perhaps you would have liked. Well, no, I mean, I'm sure Frankie wants to go back home and everything as well. But also, but how, how, how much do you value and how important is that relationship, do you think, between Rod and Crew Chief away from the circuit as well? Do you, do you have a sit... Would, uh, do, you know, do things happen like you have a sit-down uh, on the Tuesday night, you're in your home, he's in his, you've got WhatsApp on, it's like, right, let's watch the race, you know, remotely together or anything like that? Yeah, I mean... You're naturally close anyway, um, because you're always inside each other's pocket. Or what's happened in these two years, we don't get to go home, so you're even longer together. You know, whether it was the five weeks in Qatar, and, yeah. and sometimes it's like, wow, I'm spending more time with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the man himself is now. <laughs> <laughs> Giving away my secrets. <laughs> now, so you you get to know each other really well. Each other's good points, bad points. Um, I mean, it cost me a fortune the weekend before the race because we were again with COVID. We didn't go home. I was away for well, I must have been six, seven weeks, and uh, he had this great idea of buying a go kart, which wasn't a normal one it's a shifter 125 two stroke and it's been great this year because we can spend time together and i'm not saying i can go faster than him because i certainly can't but at least i can follow him or you know really can, not yeah, bad. that's can, impressive you know on a bike i think by the time the first corner comes uh, he's i mean that's so me the last time i went karting it was absolutely disastrous was it with an unnamed member of the World Superbike Grid. I think genuinely I could have been lapped in one lap. You're and it was the one at Magni Core, it wasn't a long lap. <laughs> no. no, well, I mean, yesterday we went and typical Joanne, you know, uh, it rained halfway through the day, so we only had a couple of exits in the dry. And first thing is, right, let's go, slicks in the wet. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> and it was, wow. And he was like, oh, no, this is perfect. We can control the spinning and learn throttle <laughs> control. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm struggling. Brilliant. Yeah, so that, no, so that relationship outside, I mean, that's clearly very important as well. Um, something else I wanted to ask you is about, so your personal, your career over the last couple of years has had a bit of a significant change, obviously, in terms of your approach to a weekend. I mean, you used to, your, your last ride you were with was, was Carol Abraham. And I remember we spoke a couple of years ago and you said how much you enjoyed that period. 
but how much has your life, your work life, changed now, obviously, with Suzuki and Joanne Lear? They're completely different situations. Also, how you do the weekend, because you have different, uh, I'm not sure what the word is, objectives is probably the correct word. So, not going to lie, with Carol, with a two-year-old bike, um, you're not trying to win the world title. You're not going to go and say, right, yeah. we want to win the world championship. But we had realistic targets. You know, he finished first to Catty on occasions, you know, beating the likes of uh, Lorenzo and Dovizioso and Philip Island. Awesome. And we qualified front row. I don't think we've even, with Joanne, qualified uh, front row yet. So, <laughs> yeah, actually, have you? Yeah, we, we were second in Argentina. Uh, yeah. I think that year we qualified Q2 on eight, nine occasions. So. <laughs> We had an incredible crew, that. you know, the likes of Bruno Leone who won the World Championship with Mark and Casey and we'd built something quite special. Um, Luca who was my electronic guy, works uh, Factory Aprilia now and we had such a great crew and such a great laugh and you never had this pressure, you know, and Carol was enjoying himself because he was fighting with guys on bikes two years new or factory bikes and, you know, not every race but those races were quite special, you know. Uh, yeah. I remember finishing actually ahead of both Suzuki's and fifth at Assen, you know. Yeah. <laughs> in the draw, and they, you know, it was really pleasing, really, really enjoyable. Here it's different. Um, you know, something so simple that it's like a flag to flag. You can't quite do those risks you would do yeah. in those teams because you've got to look for every single opportunity. I think the probably the classic example was the wet qualifying in Le Mans um, where you had Salvadori, Marini, these are their, their opportunities, you know, they probably ride at 200% because it's the one chance they've got the year to make you too. And I know I've been in that situation, you, you try and make the most of it. Here, of course, you always risk a little bit at Magellan, you know, we tried something quite extreme. But it's a little bit different, you know. Gotcha. That's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, that qualifying start is really interesting as well, isn't it? It does show that, yes, you do need everything to come together, but Suzuki as well, it's Suzuki as well, it seems race day is really when you've shone. And you're saying about the team atmosphere and you're all really close. Is that an important part of it as well? Yeah, it is. I mean, the qualifying thing is almost quite straightforward. It's, it's a stat, I think, that Joanna's had more podiums from off the front two rows than on them. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, still, um, the balance is slowly coming back. At one point, it was way more. I think if you look but, even in Moto3, Moto2, it was always third, fourth, fifth row. There's um, a great, the Kota Moto2 race was yeah. when he was like 20 something on the grid and then just. Yeah, this is no lie. Um, when we first met and we were quite open about everything, it was two things. One actually was the discussion on qualifying, even before we turned the wheel. Uh -huh. uh, and I said, well, I've got some bad news because I'm from BSB, World Superbike, MotoGP. I've probably got 150, 200 podiums <laughs> and I don't know, 60, 70 wins. Brilliant and probably I can count on one hand pole <laughs> position. So I said, well, that's not good because my strength point is the race and my weakness is qualifying. 
And then he goes, well, my second one is in the work. And I went, well, OK, that one's OK. I'm English and, you know, I've got plenty of experience. And uh, <laughs> we're now really strong in the wet. Um, it was always with Jack in the wet. So we fixed one thing. Um, now we've got to work on the qualifying side. One, uh, one more topic I did, I did want to touch upon um, is the discrepancies between what the rider wants and what the team uh, and what the crew chief knows should be right with that sort of bike. How do you balance sometimes those debates? Sometimes they might get heated more than others in the box between that. And uh, you know, I don't just mean with Joanne, but throughout your, your career. Um, it's never really heated. Um, there's always times when they can be frustrated. You know, there's been times where we haven't made it in FP3 and you can see some frustration come out. Um, but we always try and resolve it in one way or another. And, you know, I've spent an hour in his motorhome, an hour and a half, because sometimes you have to keep asking the same question. Um, because maybe you see something, but they don't mention it. And then maybe after an hour, something comes up. You know, there was a really good example in Mugello. Friday, we were really struggling. And yeah, we could see there were some areas that were really, really difficult for him, um, especially in a bit of stability. And then Friday, what, must have been nine o'clock at night. And he went, do you know what? My feeling is it's doing this on the front. And I'm like, oh, right, wow. Well, I know <laughs> from the set, this. yeah, I know from the setup we're trying. The one negative is this, but you never mentioned it, and now you have. And I was like, right, perfect. And then first exit FP3 went, yes. Now. <laughs> wow. So sometimes that's just, it's as a bit well. Like that's that. great to know because then you can literally see that as well yeah. from FP3, just like, yeah, and then podium. Sometimes you know, but you don't want to say it because you can also influence what he says. Hmm. Yeah. And go, well, I think it's this, and it's like, yeah, yeah, but you don't know if it really is. That's, or it, that's almost like police leading in an interview, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in yeah, confessions my, or kind of witness statements. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My way is sometimes just to bombard them with the same question, really? almost like you're waiting for a different answer. <laughs> and eventually, sometimes you do. It's, uh, it doesn't always work like that. But I wonder, wonder how you'd fare as uh, being a member of the media with that sort of approach, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be thrown out, I think. <laughs> um, that, that's really interesting what you mentioned there about that, you know, occasionally there is that one thing which changes maybe the course of the weekend. Because I think a lot about um, the concept of silver bullets in this paddock. I think a lot of riders, not just with the setup of, of their bike for a particular weekend, but in terms of a, a point, turnaround point in their career, they're looking for that silver bullet. I need to be in that team. I need to be on that bike, whatever. What, what's your thoughts around, around that kind of concept? Well, that's a difficult one to answer, because <laughs> unless you work with that rider in that team, yeah. you don't really understand the situation. It's. Uh, of course, you always hear things from the outside. You, you can figure out a little bit, but you really don't know. You know, team can come out and go, well, it's the rider that, you know, they're struggling. The rider can come out and go, well, the bike doesn't work, you know. Yeah. Um, so unless you're in that situation, it's really difficult to, to judge, if I'm honest. Awesome, awesome. Okay. Well, a bit about Juan then, before we... I was, was going to, well, we did want to ask also what, one more key topic about advice for up and coming, didn't we? True. I was, I was just going to ask, he seems like he's pretty much the same 
despite having won that world championship. I think it's fair to say it was a bit of a surprise in a nice way when the season started. Yeah. You expected podiums, maybe wins. Ironically, that one came later than the world championship lead. Um, but how is it now working together when you've won that championship and now you're trying to defend it? Already got some podiums this season, edging up there in the standings as well, once again. Yes. Is it a similar kind of vibe? I'll be honest, in 19, um, yeah, we had a, a super tricky start. I mean, anything that could have gone wrong, <laughs> it was like a bit of deja vu. After every race, it was like, well, we've done this as a rookie, you know, can't think of anything else. And then there's a jump start or a lock in the brakes on the first, on an out, like, you know, things that you wouldn't even think that could happen, happen. <laughs> and then it started to come together in the second half. and. The good thing was that which we said is we don't want one podium and then the following race and a 10th or 11th because yeah. that's not going to show any consistency. So you could see it was 8th, 7th, 7th, 6th, 7th, It was fifth. really coming, really wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then in pre-season testing before the COVID, he was really fast. Yeah. Um, and then anything again that could have gone wrong in the first in two Hera, races, yeah. three races happened and, but, we, you know, we analyse, I'm sure there's people at home, you can see your lap pace, everything, and it's like, well, actually, I mean, at Jerez, it was between him, Mark, and Fabio, there was nothing in it. And the same at Bruno. Um, we knew we were really strong at Bruno. Unfortunately, on the first lap, we got taken out. It's a bit of his style as well. He breaks extremely late, and I think he catches other riders by surprise. Um, <laughs> It's quite noticeable even in the sessions, people following actually crash because of his style of braking and how late he enters. Wow. Um, so we sort of knew, and then I think people questioned a little bit when we said, you know, actually we can be at the front and win races and, you know, maybe we're too far now with what's happened to look for a championship. But then as it went on, it was like, well, do you know what? Well, let's do it again the next week, the next <laughs> week. and it sort of went from there and nothing's really changed this year i think the calendar was probably on paper not good if i'm totally honest um bit improved now we've got two austrias i'd imagine no if i'm totally honest that's a pure i'll always oh, say when the that was the one where it was first like oh it's coming it's coming and then the red flag and <laughs> Do you know what, you you go to some tracks, if we go to Silverstone or, you know, I've got a lot of experience in Valencia, because you can almost go, well, do you know what, I can give a big part to what we do, because I know this track inside out and everything. Red Bull is pure Joanne. He is, you can see from Moto3, first year he won, yeah, so he's like... Moto2, he's got something on that track that wow. makes the difference, you know, to the performance of the bike and everything else, That's that's clear, so. Yeah, it was just, you know, if you think we scored zero points in Hereth last year, you know, we got a decent result. Maybe not the best, but a good. Uh, same in Le Mans. Okay, we pretty much got exactly the same. But they're all tracks that we pretty much didn't score any points last year. Portimao, we didn't score any points. Yeah. We got a podium, so it looks difficult, but actually it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, now we can go to tracks that we've had success and I would say on paper, 
more this positive. is this is what Juan said as well in a couple of press conferences and media things at the start of this season that he's not expecting to be as strong as he was at times last year for quite a few of the tracks at the start of the year and then just kind of gaining that momentum and it seems like we're starting to see that now yeah, like, like I said, I mean, at Portimao, we didn't even score a point. Um, yeah, Portimao was such a strange outlier last year after the Suzuki charge yeah. in the latter half of the season. And then... Yeah, it was a new track. Uh, we only have two bikes on track. Um, there were four front tyres, four rear. And so hard when you've only got two riders to go through all of that. Yeah. Set the bike up and we worked a lot over the winter and we figured a lot out. Um, the same at Le Mans. We figured a lot of stuff out and it was unfortunate it was a flag to flag because I think even in those three, four laps, our boys had topped most of the sectors. So I think they would have come through very, very strong. Um, so yeah, it's better things to come, I hope. <laughs> Um, before we go, uh, just one more little topic we just wanted yeah. to ask you, because I'm sure a lot of people who watch this, they like a bit, a bit more in-depth chat about MotoGP, but for guys who are not, who are up-and-coming mechanics, engineers, who have ambitions of being a crew chief, what would be your advice to them? And you can't say find someone in a bank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, experience. And you don't, you know, there's experience in... BSB, which is a super high level world superbike as well. Um, you almost have more possibility to work on things internally in an engine and stuff that you wouldn't do in a GP paddock. You know, uh, engines are sealed, everything. So yeah. there's probably some people here that will find things difficult. Um, even working on the bike, you know, if something goes wrong or something breaks there's another part brand new that fits absolutely perfect. When you start in these other championships, there's a bit more that goes into it. You fit something and it's like something and it's like, wow, um, that doesn't quite right. You know, you've got the angle grinder out, you can hear the hammer going and you'll never hear any of that here. You know, everything's really precise. So get in experience uh, and working your way through, you know, um, you also have different knowledge of different tracks different riders uh, and it stands you in good stead you know the guys that are really good uh, in this paddock that I've worked for or worked with before you know Maya Merigali the team manager at Yamaha went through the world super sport world superbike uh, Michele Gada a good friend of mine he's head of electrics uh, Yamaha MotoGP you know he did the work in world superbike and then you know the guys in some the guys in Petronas team, some of the English I know from when we first started and they did the same in BSB, World Superbike, you know, now they're working with Frankie and you've got Brains in uh, working with uh, John in Moto3, you know, they've got so much experience, yeah. it's, uh, it's a good place to start. Okay, I think that's some pretty sound advice and also remembering that your career started in year 2000 and you won your first MotoGP World Championship in 2020. I think patience would probably be another thing, eh? Yeah, it makes me feel quite old. <laughs> Not too many grey hairs yet though. But... <laughs> that's because I've got a mask on. <laughs> so, before, final right. question before we go. We yeah. got, well, we're, we're, 
We're recording this one week after the last podcast. And the last podcast, we asked the audience to start sending us some more uh, quick-fire questions, suggestions. And then, but we've not published it. We didn't publish it no, yet. No, well, no, so. so because we do it on a bi-weekly basis. So we're going to ask you the two remaining ones, or the one remaining one that we quite like. Um, and so, but yes, take your time over it. For, so, Fran, I'll let you uh, let you ask it as you. Okay, so you can have a dinner party with three people, alive or dead, ever in history, whoever you want. Who would you invite? When I say dinner party, you don't have Whoa. to cook it and come down with me. It you can just you know go to a Let's restaurant. Sit and listen to the chat. <laughs> wow, that is uh, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I have a football background and family members at a high level and the first would be Diego Maradona, mm-hmm. okay. I think, uh, massive fan um, on the football side of the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, off- <laughs> the other side is also interesting. Um, I actually have a, a cousin that played with him uh, at Napoli, really? so yeah, wow. so... Um, That's a claim to fame. Yeah, so <laughs> I love how you win a MotoGP World Championship, and then it's like, oh, my claim to fame is the Maradona. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, that would be one. Um, probably number two is a tough one between Barry Sheen and Kevin Schwantz, I think. Ooh. Um, nothing to do with me working in Suzuki. This is probably from a boyhood. Uh, and growing up just so happened to be you know get the chance here so that would be number two this and is a pretty wild dinner party so far yeah yeah and then mm-hmm. sorry this will make you laugh but probably <laughs> Boris Johnson oh, no. <laughs> just to ask him when I can go home <laughs> that's a good that, love it that's a good answer yeah that qu- I mean quite a mix because I also would have him there to ask him many many things but we won't get into that but uh, yeah fair play Frankie that's a really good answer that actually it's funny the two Frankies we've had on the podcast this year have given the most fascinating answers yeah, to that question I think, I think. Uh, Frankie Morbidelli who did he go Charlie from? Chaplin uh, oh, I can't who remember was, us I can't remember the second oh, one oh and, and uh, Julius Sla- Caesar yeah Charlie Jeez. Chaplin Julius Caesar and Slash oh yeah <laughs> Great dinner. Oh, now you mentioned that. Yeah. Slash would have been up there. Yeah. <laughs> He's been here before, isn't he? He's like, yeah, yes, I remember. Yeah. I yeah. think he was in Valentino's box. I'm very angry well, that, that I now didn't, people was just confuse him with Marco Bezzecchi, don't they? Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so no, much for your time. Thank you very much. Really appreciate me. it. So, I hope you enjoyed that chat then with Frankie Carcetti. And if you didn't know really who he was or what his role was, then it's a good introduction, I think. Uh, and yeah, inside the reigning world champion box as well. So Absolutely. good stuff. So key takeaways. Key takeaways from that. Uh, hearing about his relationship with the rider outside the circuit, I thought was really fascinating. Um, spending a lot of time with, and also how quick he is in a go kart. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> also the value of experience, I think, is a good one. Mm. I mean, um, the, the the timing that it's taken from the start of his career to becoming, you know. Patience, yes. as you added technically. Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> but, but that was a sort true, of, yeah, the, the unsaid thing, really, I thought there with Frank, yeah, that for was sure. super fascinating. I mean, it, when you think about how long it takes for riders to become uh, world champions, I mean, uh, it, when they first actually get into Grand Prix and then, or, or a world championship, how long it could take them. To be fair, Joanne, not the greatest example of that no, one. No, but the it, super yeah, but quick you look at the other side, can't you, of how long he's actually been riding a motorcycle. But, Very true, yeah. yeah. I always love, yeah, those things when you're like, 
kind of have those kind of young hot shots and it's like yeah but i've been riding since i was three yeah exactly <laughs> these guys are or like we're talking, we've been talking a lot about when casey stoner retired retired at the age of 27 i am 27 but then you've been riding since he was four years old so yeah it's pretty crazy yeah, isn't it pretty, but pretty patience then definitely uh definitely the long game let's patience say. is a virtue much like the consistency throughout a championship to eventually take home that crown yeah. so yeah hopefully we're not glaring into the sun too much you can't see us sweating too much and you generally enjoy the paddock ambience this week as well and thanks for joining us yes if you are a crew chief though an up-and-coming crew chief mechanic engineer let us know your story down below just find a reminder or tweet us actually hashtag MotoGP podcast yeah and about anything get in yeah. touch let so. us know thoughts feedback be kind as ever uh, and thank you very much for joining us we'll see you next time where i'll be in germany yeah.